our text this morning for the message is the uh, epistle reading in Romans 5. I am going to uh, return you to, it looks like, verses 3 through 5 for just a moment. It says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. This is our text. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I know uh, over the past few months, almost all of you have been sick in one way or another. And I wonder if you have ever been talked into uh, going to a party when you were sick and miserable. You know, it doesn't seem like a reasonable thing to me, but you never know what people are thinking. I, I mean, w- uh, would you actually want to do anything if you were sick and miserable? And I know I don't, but that might just be a man thing. I'm not sure. This is the, the women always tell us guys that we're whiners, so it's hard for me to be clear. But I guess you can tell more uh, if you s- suppose that, well, uh, do you think you could... Uh, in your own conscience, uh, drag a friend or a spouse or one of your children to the party when they're miserable. And I don't think any of us would try to do that because you'd probably get into some trouble with whoever you dragged there or tried to drag there, and there's a very good chance they're not going to go anyway. So you understand what I mean. You don't have a party when you're miserable. You don't rejoice when you're miserable. You just don't. So... Here we've got uh, Rome. Paul's letter goes to Rome. Never been there. Uh, and uh, they don't really know him, although a few people do. And, and this is what's going on. So Rome was never uh, a very hospitable place for either Jews or Christians. It's right in the heart of the power of the Roman Empire. They, they got uh, blamed for all kinds of um, troubles that happened in the empire if they lost a battle or if they had a famine or if there was a flood or uh, a storm or anything. They, the Jews and the Christians always got blamed for this stuff and if you're right there in Rome they'll just grab up a few of you and cause you some grief. And it was uh, well they were always handy for a bit of abuse and persecution. I'm sure it was terribly uncomfortable. They were troubled enough even sometimes to cause each other grief. That sometimes the Jews would fuss at the the Gentiles and the Gentiles would fuss at the the Jews and then there were other people that were around them that got some fussing. And and they're all kind of saying the same thing. Well, you're not doing it right. Well, I'm not sure if you can do Christianity wrong. I mean, if you're doing it wrong, you're not really doing Christianity. So does that count? I don't know. But that's kind of what they were fussing at. Because they were already kind of miserable. So Paul wrote them to recognize that they're all in the same boat and they're all seen the same by their God and and, in all things this is so. But the suffering persists everywhere. I mean, it did in Rome and it did all over the empire just in general because human beings suffer, that's what happens, but 
uh, it seemed to be more for them, and, and with it, even in Rome, comes some misery. Not so much rejoicing. So Paul's trying to get them there. Now you'd think God would hold things together better in the Christian world so that we didn't suffer so much, but it almost seems like those places, meaning places where Christians persist, have more trouble than anywhere. Uh, we, we've seen that in history in the last 50 years for sure, uh, and, and probably longer if you want to pay attention. It's just hard for Christians in the world because the world doesn't like us very much. Uh, it hasn't been too bad here, um, at least not yet, but even our even on a smaller scale, like we have, Christians still suffer plenty, kind of everywhere where we exist. For some reason, God still allows you to suffer like anyone else. doesn't seem like he would be doing that, but it's true anyway. It looks like enemies prevail over us a lot one way or another. I, you know, I guess it depends on how you define your enemies. Anything that is evil, certainly that, but also your own sin and others. And, and death is still lingers. And uh, every cause of suffering, they all come at you. That's just the way it goes. They're right here all the time for you. And Paul tells you there's hope. I mean, it's the kind of hope that never fails. He says it will not put you to shame if you hope in Christ. Uh, and I guess that needs some explanation, but he gives it. Uh, and he, but it's not so much uh, just hope. It, it's also rejoicing right here in your world with God at the same time, right in the midst of the suffering even, because hope comes along. And, and in Christian life, uh, it all seems to lay right on top of suffering, which never quite goes away. So, I don't know if that's okay. I mean, it's not happy. It doesn't seem like a cause for rejoicing, but uh, even still, that's what Paul is telling you you should be doing. So, with you, it always seems how little that you can do in the face of suffering, because if you could, you'd probably duck it. But with God, it always seems, Paul says, there's more than that. It's not, it's not just the suffering, because if you're with God, it's more than that. He said, we do less, because when we're suffering, we don't want to do anything. And he says, but God is more than that. He says it multiple times here. But he began his ministry, Paul did, full on going in the wrong direction. Because, you know, he was a Jewish man and he didn't like this Christian thing and he was persecuting it as much as he was able to do. And uh, then Jesus shows up and uh, accuses him openly as, uh, of being a persecutor of himself, of Jesus, of the people of Christ. He's a persecutor. That's what he begins his ministry hearing. Then it was followed by blindness and, and, and then physical limitations in his whole life of ministry. Uh, he's always talking about this 
thorn in the flesh. He doesn't really describe what it is. But see, it, it, despite all of that difficulty, he never stopped ministering. Romans were always uh, under pressure from the emperor because, you know, I described that already for you, from temple factions too. Because, you know, if you're in a, a pagan world and there's temples all over the place, and especially in Rome this was true, and they all uh, take their well-being from what goes on at the temple. And people that live there uh, went to the temples often because they needed their gods to look after them or whatever. And, and so when that wasn't going quite right and Christians were dragging people out of that world, then they fussed at Christians. And, and some even happened within their own congregations when they had their arguments within. But in spite of all that, they never stopped ministering either. So Paul points to being justified before God. This is the beginning of what you have become to peace with God, to grace and forgiveness with God, to rejoicing in hope. He always ends there. The hope that God brings you by that justification, by that grace, by that peace. Because it leads to hope with God some more. Now, that's all a lot. Um, he says more than that, more than that, after the, all of those gifts from God that are unsought, more than that, he leads on with rejoicing even in your sufferings. He says he does that. Not, not that he's rejoicing that he's suffering, but even while he's suffering, he's rejoicing. Well, why? Because it leads to hope with God again. More than that, there's still more. There's more than that even yet. More than that, you're saved from the well-deserved wrath of God by the actions of God's Son. That has happened to you. Then you've been reconciled by the work of Christ in his death and in his resurrection. And, and if that's not enough, there's still more than that. Paul says there's more than that yet. Rejoicing in God himself by whom all of this blessing has come to you. With it, you, uh, it is always with us trying to do less because it's safer and we don't feel good and then there's suffering. But even to avoid suffering, we, we continue to try to do little. But Christ did more than that. In his suffering, he died for you. For, for the weak, for the sinful, for the enemy to God, Christ came into this world to die for you. He didn't avoid his suffering. He went straight toward it. But in him, you are now saints before your God, forgiven, saved, carried along always to the eternal goal of your loving father, which is the absolute certainty of eternal life. And if that were not enough, more than that, more than that, is rejoicing in the hope of all that Christ has done for you and what lies ahead of you yet in promise. Rejoicing in hope. Honestly, I'm always kind of left wondering about this thing he says here. Uh, who, who, who would you die for? 
he runs through a list of things there, but I mean, who would you actually die for? Well, for family? Maybe. For a friend? Maybe. How about for an enemy? Well, maybe not so much. How about for some dirty, rotten sinner? Like, would you die for yourself if you were outside of yourself and you were looking at you and you see all the stuff that's happening in your life? Would you even die for you? Well, you can ask all that question, but the only real answer that you get from Paul is Christ did. He obviously would because he did. He went to a cross for you, calling you weak, sinner, enemy. He died for you. It's God's desire for Christ to suffer for you. Saved you are. Alive you are. Eternal you are. More than that, Christ loves you. His Father loves you. And they will make sure in all of their will and work and way that you will be with them forever. Amen. May the peace of God which passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.